Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. It's wonderful to be in your company this afternoon. It is Wednesday, and it is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Great to be with you. What we're going to be talking about today, of course, is that we have now already reached, let's call it the business end of Pesach preparations, because, in fact, tomorrow already, a lot of the laws and rules of Pesach actually begin. Yes, you heard it correctly, tomorrow. Tomorrow being Thursday, although Pesach actually only comes in on Saturday night, (coughs) but there's a Thursday and there's a Friday and there's a Shabbat, and all of those things have a bearing on Pesach this year, and there are important things to mention and to think about and to know that you have to do um, in the preparations for Pesach this year. So perhaps today's talk we're going to head up as, why is this Pesach different from all other Pesachs? And the reason is that, number one, Pesach occurs this year on a Saturday night, first night Seder is a Motzei Shabbos, Saturday night. And when Pesach occurs on a Saturday night, it kind of, never mind, throws the cat amongst the pigeons, but it kind of turns everything upside down. A lot of things change. A lot of things are different. And yes, if you're going to look back in the calendar, this hasn't occurred, at least in the last 10 years. So um, it is something that we really need to spend some time refreshing our memories and get into the mode and the operation and to know exactly what you've got to do and how Pesach has to be brought in this year because it is rather different from any other year. Let's begin with and try and take it in chronological order what actually starts tomorrow. And there is something that happens in the morning and there is something that happens in the evening tomorrow which have a direct bearing on Pesach. Usually the day before Pesach is known as the fast of the firstborn. Now, firstborn um, boys, males, um, need to fast on the day before Pesach. And the reason, of course, is that the firstborn were singled out really for very, very special treatment on uh, Erev Pesach in um, in the uh, time of the Exodus, in the time that we got out of Egypt. Because remember... The firstborn uh, males were going to be wiped out in what was known as the plague of the firstborn. The last of the plagues that were visited upon Egypt was the plague of the firstborn. And during that, any firstborn males were actually wiped out, except for the Jewish firstborn. Anybody who was protected by the blood on the doorposts, who was protected by the uh, Pesach uh, offering and it was protected by the fact that we had shown a willingness to get out of Egypt the firstborn did not die so the firstborn Jewish boys did not die at that time and it was therefore regarded as a very very special date for all firstborn firstborn carries a certain responsibility <coughs> in uh, days gone by the firstborn males were going to be God's priests and he lost that, unfortunately, at the time of the golden calf <coughs> with the tribe of Levi, the Levium, the Kohanim, took over that um, a very, very special role of being the priests for the Jewish people. But the firstborn were singled out for some very special treatment and particularly on Erev Pesach. And so 
it has been something that has been done from time immemorial right up until today that Erev Pesach there is what we call the fast of the firstborn. Now our sages uh, <clears throat> didn't want the firstborn uh, or anybody to have to rush to run through the Seder in order to get to eat something. And therefore it became the practice that the firstborn would try and do something to enable themselves not to have to fast on Erev Pesach. And thus became the tradition that in every shul around the world, and certainly around the country and certainly around the city, on Erev Pesach, on the day before Pesach, in a usual year, there is something that is known as a siyum. A siyum takes place where you have the conclusion of a tractate of Talmud, which um, means that anybody who is present should eat something to celebrate. And in this way, we've kind of, in inverted commas, bought ourselves out of that fast of the firstborn. And so all firstborn males, or if you have a son who is under the age of bar mitzvah, you have to do it for him. The um, idea of the obligation of fasting on that day is something that is taken away. It's obviated by the siyum, by attending the completion of the tractate of Talmud, which happens in every ritual, and then the necessity to actually eat and drink something to celebrate that great celebration that takes place at the time of the completion of a tractate. And so usually on the day before Pesach, that all happens. Being that Saturday night is the first night of Pesach. We are not allowed to fast on Shabbos. Since Shabbos is um, Erev, Shabbat is Erev Pesach, that would be the day on which the firstborn fast should be, but we're not allowed to fast on Shabbos. So it needs to be deferred, or rather brought forward. Now we're not allowed to bring it forward to a Friday. And so it's actually brought forward to Thursday. And yes, if you want to know when the the fast of the firstborn takes place, it is actually tomorrow. And so tomorrow morning in shuls around the country and in shuls around the world, there will be the uh, completion of a tractate. A siyum will take place in most shuls. I know that many people um, uh, who are unable to attend will be watching on Zoom. It's much better according to the rules and regulations sent out by local Beth Din and rabbis around the world that one actually hears this in person, that you're actually there physically to hear the completion of the tractate to eat and drink something, whether it's done together or thereafter, even in private, uh, because of COVID regulations, the um, fast of the firstborn is tomorrow. It is Thursday, tomorrow, that is the time of the day of the fast of the firstborn. And then there is something that takes place tomorrow evening, which is also brought forward. Usually on the night before Pesach, we do something called the search for the chametz the Bedikat Chametz, the searching for the Chametz. So we place the 10 little pieces of bread around, uh, carefully wrapped and placed around um, in all the rooms of your house. And you go around with a candle and a feather and a spoon. Um, and um, we do that search usually on the night before Pesach. But the night before Pesach, this year it's impossible because it's Friday night. And so it is brought forward to Thursday night. So we've kind of got these things in a different order this year because usually we have the Bedikat Chametz that is followed the next morning by the fast of the firstborn. Here, the fast of the firstborn takes precedence. It is going to be tomorrow morning with the search for the Chomets taking place tomorrow evening. The right time to do the search for the Chomets is at the beginning of nightfall. And the beginning of nightfall will be approximately 
22, uh, 22-7 in, uh, in Johannesburg. Yeah, you need to check your calendar times for uh, times around the country or around the world. But at 22-7 or thereafter, we need to do the Badikat Khametz taking place tomorrow evening. That's Thursday evening in preparation for Pesach. Now. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. We're continuing with our run-up or run-down to Pesach um, as it is this year in a little bit of a different format because Saturday night is the first night Seder and so it kind of throws everything out a little bit but it makes it fascinating. Very interesting and perhaps very impactful because one really, really needs to know and you've got to perhaps be even better prepared than ever before because things are a little bit unusual. So we've dealt with tomorrow, fast of the firstborn. We've dealt with the um, Bedikat Chametz, which takes place on Thursday evening at nightfall. And now let's move on to Friday. Friday morning. Davening is exactly the same prayers, the same as a regular Friday morning uh, during the month of Nisan. Of course, there is no Tachanun, and of course, it is uh, getting close to to Pesach. But uh, being that we've already done the Siyum and we've had the fast of the firstborn already on Thursday, so Friday, kind of regular. But then we still do the burning of the chametz that still takes place on Friday morning. And it's suggested, of course, that it should be at exactly the same time as we usually do. Now, we want to make sure that people, while things are different, that we understand or we kind of have in the rhythm of everything, that everything follows a similar format to what it usually did. And so we need to make sure that we have sold our chametz already by the very latest Friday morning. Remember that the sale of chametz, the process of putting it all into place is going to take place on Friday morning with, of course, it actually kicking in on a Shabbat where the actual um, sale is going to take hold because we've still got to make the allowance for the eating of chametz on Friday night and on Shabbos, as we're going to explain in a moment, Shabbos morning, that is early morning. Let's um, just take you through Friday. So Friday is going to involve, number one, the fact that your sale of chametz has to be in. Yes, of course, that can all be done online uh, today. If you do it through ChabadSouthAfrica.org or you do it through the UOS.co.za on their website, one can find the Mechirat chametz forms, the sale of chametz forms, and that needs to be done. Remember to list the places where you may have chametz. If you're doing it online, a word of warning, it should be done. I think the sites will probably close on Thursday night, so it should be done uh, a little bit earlier because um, we need to make sure that um, everything uh, flows through and comes through all the streaming systems and so on in order to make sure that they have a track of everything by the time the sale is actually put into process on Friday morning. So by um, uh, about 10.30 on Friday morning, we have to have done the sale of the chametz and we actually burn the chametz. Now, the burning is going to be different from all other years as well because we're just going to burn the chametz and we're going to burn whatever we found, the little pieces of things that you may have found around the house. And yes, many people put in the lulav and um, uh, the other 
parts of the lulav that we had uh, kept and not thrown away, not to destroy it. And here we take it out with another mitzvah, and this is the mitzvah of the mechiras, uh, of the bedikas chametz, of the beer chametz that we actually are doing. And so we're going to do that on Friday morning at the same time, 10 o'clock Friday morning. You're going to make your little bonfire. If you can't, you give it to somebody who can and make sure that the chametz is actually burnt as is the tradition. We should not delay it till later. It should be done at the same time that we usually do it. We should make sure that we have it in the right period of time as we usually would do. So that's about 10 o'clock on Friday morning. We do not say the special kol chamira that is said at that time. The nullification is not said on Friday morning at the time of the burning of chametz. That has to be delayed and said on Shabbos morning. So let's then move forward for the rest of the day on Friday. What should you or what could you be doing? It is interesting that because it is not yet Erev Pesach, this here, we, there is an allowance to still be kashering or cleaning out your house or getting things ready getting rid of the uh, things that you're going to be putting away for Pesach and so on that can be done usually by this time on Erev Pesach. They usually have to all have been done, but we can still do some tashering on Friday. We can still take care of those things, even though we've already done the Badikat Chomets and we've had the fast of the firstborn and so on. That all takes place and carries on for the duration of Friday. On Friday itself, we should make sure that we are getting our houses ready that by the time Shabbos comes in, everything is ready for Pesach. The house has to be ready for Pesach. There's no other way to do it. You cannot on Shabbos still be busy putting things away. You're not allowed to do that kind of work on Shabbos. And so everything has to be ready in your home for the house actually needing to be completely Pesach dick by the time Shabbos comes in. And then we go into Shabbos. And of course, it is Shabbat Hagadol. This is known as the big Shabbos. And it is uh, a strange Shabbos because it's going to be celebrated, as we're going to hear, in a very, very unusual way. There is a lot of different uh, Jewish law that comes into play for this Shabbat that ordinarily wouldn't. So why is this Pesach different from all other Pesachs? Why is this Shabbos different from all other Shabbosim? And this Shabbos, on Shabbos Hagadol, Shabbat Hagadol for this coming Shabbat, we're going to have several changes. Friday night not much different until you get home from shul. When you get home from shul, we need to make sure that we are fulfilling two separate things. Number one is we've got to make sure that we're protecting the integrity of the home, which has already been kashered for Pesach. So we cannot have a regular chametz meal on Friday night. We've got to eat what we eat Anything that, e that is eaten inside the house, of course, has to already be kosher for Pesach. We can't have crumbs dropping. We can't have things all over the place because already the house is kosher for Pesach. However, we've got to do something that seems to conflict with that, and that is that we've got to make hamotzi. Part of our Shabbos meal, once we've made Kiddush, is we need to eat challah. We need to eat bread. Um, we cannot eat matzah because matzah cannot be eaten on the day before Pesach and Many have it in the month before Pesach. We cannot eat matzah. It's not yet Pesach. We want to taste the matzah brand new at the Seder. And so therefore, matzah is out. We've got to use 
bread. And we're going to be using bread for our Friday night meal and for our Shabbat morning. Let's call it lunch, but it's going to be a lot earlier than you've ever had lunch before. So we're going to be doing Friday night in the following best case scenario fashion. And that is you're going to make Kiddush and you're going to wash for Hamotzi and you're going to make Hamotzi outside. The Hamotzi is going to be made, let's say, on your patio or in your garden. And there, in the case any crumbs drop, you're going to wash out inside. You can walk outside to make the hamotzi. You actually distribute the challah to the family members, and people should eat it carefully outside. So in other words, if any crumbs drop, they are going to fall onto the grass or onto the ground outside. They are nullified. You're going to brush yourself off before you walk inside. You're going to consume whatever you have in your mouth so that you're not bringing it into your Pesach decay environment, your sterile uh, chametz-free environment that you have where you're going to be having your meal. So you've washed for Amotzi outside. The chalas should be consumed. So it wouldn't be advisable here yeah, to get one of those huge big chalas that you can never ever finish. We've got to make sure that it's something that's consumable. Get rid of by eating as much of the chalas for Friday night as possible. Remember, you need the two that we always make hamotzi on. And we're going to complete that outdoors, getting rid of all those crumbs. We then can eat our Shabbos meal, which probably best served is Pesach, the completely, completely Pesach um, required inside. And that is going to be at your regular Shabbos table. And then, of course, from that point of view, the sky's the limit as to what, what you can do. And Friday night, we have a regular Friday night then going on. But, of course, no challah on the table and no challah brought into the home, which is now completely ready for Pesach. On Shabbos morning, we need to do the same thing. However, we've got to have finished eating chametz by the very latest, 9.45. 9.45, quarter to 10 in Johannesburg on Shabbat morning. We can only eat challah once we have made kiddush, and we can only make kiddush once we have davened, shachrit, and musaf. So we're going to go to shul early. Everybody is going to be davening early, not like those who are uh, given over to davening nice and late on the Shabbos. We've got to daven really early. So majority of shuls will be davening really early, 6, 6.30, quarter to 7, 7 o'clock, the latest, in order to be able to complete everything by um, the, I guess, 9 o'clock so that people can still get home. Make hamotzi, wash their hands, do the hamotzi, and then consume their challah again outdoors. The crumbs dropping onto the grass or outside, not a problem. Whatever's on you needs to be brushed off, shaken off, make sure you rinse out your mouth, etc. from any crumbs that may be uh, stuck to your lips and brought inside. You don't want that. The house is Pesach. We're ready for Pesach. And then what you got to do as far as the remaining pieces of challah, the little crumbs or whatever it is that's left over in the packet and so on, Best case scenario is make sure that it's carefully wrapped um, to carry it inside. Don't let the crumbs drop all over the place. And then get rid of them by flushing them, unfortunately, down the toilet. It is the only way to get rid of them. Take them into the bathroom and flush them. Let them get out of the out of your property entirely. To put them into the rubbish bin, 
is problematic because you still own that rubbish bin. And the only way that one can do that is if you're actually pouring something on it to destroy it. And that can only be if you've set it aside before Pesach. I wouldn't advise it. You can give it to a non-Jew, to your maid, etc. But that has to then specifically be carried out of your home and not left inside the house once the um, Pesach actually comes in. And when does it come in? Soon thereafter, by about 10.30, the latest, you need to say that kol chamira, that nullification that we usually say at the time of the burning of the chametz, that has to be said on Shabbat morning by 10.30 after you have gotten rid of the chametz. That is the time that you need to do that. And then once that is done, you are essentially into the usual Erev Pesach mode. But it's 10.30 on Shabbos morning. Remember, you've already been to shul. You've already davened. You've already made hamotzi. You've made kiddush. You could have already had lunch. And then we have a nice, wonderful Shabbos of peace and quiet for the duration of Shabbos. Right up until um, the uh, time for mincha or mayriv and shul and so on. For those who are strict to have three meals on Shabbos, we could make a meal a little bit later on of some Pesach Dikha foods. There's nothing wrong with eating those things. But remember the traditions that we still on Erev Pesach avoid anything that uh, has to do with the Seder. So one would not uh, eat matzah. One shouldn't eat any of the things that are the ingredients of the Seder um, or on the Seder plate um, at any of those meals. That's for the duration of Shabbos itself. So Shabbat is going to be a very unusual Shabbat Hagadol. A Shabbat Hagadol that stood on its head and that's turned around and completely different. It has all of these elements and all of these strange occurrences. But we need to make sure that we're protecting the integrity of our kosher for Pesach homes um, as we go through it all. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. We're back with you on Judaism 101.9, and we're talking about preparations for Pesach and in a very, very different kind of a Pesach. But let's not forget the things that do stay the same, and that is that on Saturday night and on Sunday evening, we have our first two Sedarim, two Sedarim, Seder 1, Saturday night, Seder 2, on Sunday night. And at the Seder, we need to make sure that we take care of the following important things and let's do it in a stage of four three two one number one one thing that we've got to do is we've got to tell the story of the exodus from egypt we do that in something called the haggadah and if we go through the haggadah we've certainly done it properly but it is good to elaborate it's good to talk a little bit more it's good to do a little bit of more interaction make sure that the kids participate that the adults participate that everybody is involved in the telling of the haggadah the Haggadah, the story of our exodus, how we gained our freedom, and so on. So that's number one. Number two, we need to make sure that we eat matzah and it's eaten. Um, eh, sorry, number two is we need to make sure, and this is probably the overriding thing that we need to do above all else, is eating a matzah. And we eat matzah, in fact, at three different stages during the Seder. The first one is when we've made the bracha hamotzi. And the bracha al-achilat matzah, we then eat matzah. Now, it's not just any amount of matzah. It is a specific amount, or let's call it more than a specific amount. We need to make sure that we've eaten. If you're using a machine-made matzah, it should be at least a matzah, and maybe even more, close to a matzah and a half. If you're using a handmade shmura matzah, it's about 
two-thirds of the matzah that needs to be consumed needs to be done within four minutes. We shouldn't eat or drink anything together with it. We don't dip the matzah or sprinkle salt on it at all. We just have the taste of the matzah. That's for the first round of eating of the matzah. Second round of eating of the matzah takes place when we combine it together with the Hillel sandwich. And when that Hillel sandwich is made with the maror and so on, there needs to be an amount of matzah <coughs> that is also sizable. It's not just a little crumb. It's not just a little piece. It's a sizable piece of matzah, perhaps at least half of a matzah. And if if you're using the, the thick shmura matzah, um, close to a whole matzah if you're using a regular machine-made matzah. And the third time that we eat matzah, and again, it is a large amount that is eaten for the Afrikoman at the end of the meal. That is eaten once we've already completed our meal. We eat the Afrikoman, and there again, a large, sizable amount of matzah is consumed by each individual, by each person. So that takes care of the eating the matzah. We need to make sure that we eat maror, the bitter herbs. This is eaten twice during the Seder. Um, once we eat it right in the beginning after we've made hamotzi, we say alachilat maror, the bracha for the maror, and we eat that maror, the bitter herbs there again. It needs to be a sizable amount. It's not just a little taste of a bitter herb. It needs to be, if you're using grated horseradish, it needs to be like a tablespoonful. If you're using uh, romaine lettuce, if you laid out the leaves flat, they should cover approximately an A4 page. So it's quite a lot of maror that needs to be eaten twice, once by alone and the second time when it is eaten as part of the Hillel sandwich. And the third and final, or the, rather the fourth and final element of the Seder is four cups of wine. Four cups of wine need to be drunk dur- during the duration of the Seder. Now, it doesn't have to be sweet wine. It doesn't have to be Kiddush wine. It should be wine that you enjoy, that you find palatable. Of course, kosher for Pesach wine. And um, we need to do it at the four stages uh, throughout the Haggadah, throughout the Seder, drinking four different cups of wine. We should preferably use a good wine. The best wine that you could get is uh, the most uh, special for this occasion, but any wine that is kosher for Pesach will actually do. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. We're concluding our uh, piece today on why is this Pesach different from all other Pesachs, and I think we've been through Thursday, Friday, Shabbos, and then the Sedarim. Let's think about the fact that it has to be a very, very powerful Pesach. This is not only the time of our freedom, but it is actually coupled with Shabbos, where Shabbos plays this incredible role. In fact, in a way, we're extending Pesach. Uh, people might be thinking, you know what, Pesach is <laughs> tough enough that we've got to eat Pesach foods for eight days. In fact, we're almost doing it for nine, with one or two little exceptions of being able to have some chametz on Friday night and on Shabbos morning uh, with our challah and so on. But for all intents and purposes, we have this extra time of Pesach. So once we're doing something extra in Judaism, there's no such thing as extra. In fact, it is all part and parcel of the same thing. So we've got to remember that there is something extremely, extremely special about this kind of a setup because we have added an extra Shabbos into the mix and made it something unique and something significant. Shabbos itself is a kind of a redemption. Shabbos itself gives us peace of mind. It takes us out of our rigmarole and out of our rat race and it changes the mindset and it puts us onto a completely different level. And when we come from that level into Pesach, 
it is as though we're ascending these special steps, climbing higher and higher and higher. Now, today is Yud Aleph Nisan. Today is the 11th day of Nisan. It is the birthday of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. The Rebbe would have been 119 years old. And we begin today saying Psalm 120, Psalm 120 in honor of the Rebbe's birthday. And with this Psalm, we begin talking about the ascents, Shir Hamalot. We talk about the steps up. We're ascending up in, in the Beit HaMikdash, in the temple, getting ever higher towards gaining our freedom. We want to encourage everybody to please join us. We've sent out all over the place uh, Zoom links and so on for a very special event that's taking place this evening at 6 p.m. where in a uh, <clears throat> show of unity around the world, people are getting together, it's particularly to say the Rebbe Psalm, that new Psalm, Psalm 120, which we say together. If you're not on the Zoom, please say it. It's 6 p.m. this evening, Psalm 120, in honor of the Rebbe, in honor of his birthday. And as a way of stepping up, so to speak, to the plate and gaining a little bit of freedom and getting into the throes of an incredible and beautiful Pesach that lies ahead. I want to wish everybody a great Yud Aleph Nisan for today. I want to wish everybody a great Shabbat coming up ahead, Shabbat Agadol. I want to wish everybody a great and productive and beautiful, liberating Pesach, which is lying ahead of us. It's not daunting. It's beautiful. It's not hard or tough. It is going to be fantastic. And with it, please, God, we'll all gain the most incredible freedom that we've hoped and prayed for for so many years. The coming of Mashiach, may it happen speedily in our time. Wish you well. Look forward to being back with you same time, same place on Judaism 101.9.